would speak, Lord. Help me to um, be true to the gospel, uh, be true to the text, um, and true to um, just the truth. And I pray that you would touch the hearts of those who are here today and help them to be uh, fertile soil uh, for the planting of the seeds of the word. Um, I pray that you would touch the hearts of those who are here and help them to uh, come to know you uh, through this time. In Christ's name, amen. So, uh, we are working our way through a series, uh, The Law and the Gospel. Um, and, and the reason I picked this is because I see this mishandled. Like, if you read how Christians will write, or if you um, watch TV especially, it's awful. Or, or sometimes talking to, to folks who've been believers for a while, the, the law and the gospel is a tough subject. Um, and and um, we're going to kind of work our way through the subject and, and look at some of the, the clear definition because there, there's a dividing line between them, right? Like, we, we don't get saved by following the Ten Commandments. If, if that was your plan, I, I'm sorry, you've missed it. Um, it, it. It's not what the Bible teaches. Um, we, we are given the law for a specific purpose. Last week, we looked at um, what that purpose is. The law, which I'll, real quick, I don't want to do the whole sermon again, but the law exists um, to tell us how to have a relationship with God, Right? It's sort of the guidelines. And then beyond that, because we all have sin, right? Like we all are infected by sin. Like all of us have this natural inclination to rebel against God. Um, The law exists to give us a measure for that so we know what it is, right? Like Paul says, I didn't know what it was to covet until, you know, God's law said don't covet. And then the the part of me that likes to do bad things jumps up and says, all right, let's get to it. Um, and, And Paul talks about how Um, obedience to the law is not possible. It is not something we can accomplish. Um, And so for us to be right before God, for us to go to heaven, actually last week's sermon was um, how do you get to heaven or how good do you have to be to get to heaven? Um, For us to be right before God, for us to go to heaven, like like for us to be saved from our sins, we have to be forgiven. We have to be in Christ. Um, And and then like Romans continues... um, and Paul begins to talk about um, his struggle with the law, right? And the law, for real quick, if you look at the Old Testament, there's this huge chunk like Leviticus and, and uh, parts of Deuteronomy and whatnot that are just rules, right? And they're not just rules about what you're supposed to do and not supposed, or excuse me, not just rules about what you're not supposed to do. It's rules of, about what you're supposed to do. And it is ridiculous. Um, and I say ridiculous not because God's word is ridiculous, but because... It'd be like if I were to approach a, an Olympic high jump. Have you all ever watched the high jump? Like, where the guys run and they just sort of like, whoop, jump over that pole. And if I were to approach the world record Olympic high jump and move it up two feet, and then try to do it myself, it, I, I'm not going to make it, right? I, I've got a little bit too much, like, television training to jump over that bar. God's, God's bar is so high I can never reach it. And in, in that respect, it's ridiculous because I'm a sinner, and, and all of y'all are, are in that same place. We can't reach that standard. Um, and so we're, we're looking at the second half here. Um, Paul is talking as a saved person. Um, it's from Romans, which is a letter he wrote to a church he had never visited. Um, and he talks about, like, what he believes. So that it's like an introductory letter. Everybody with me? Um, I think the first day of school when I went to college, I got a manual, how to go to college here. I'm sure it was something smarter than that, but how to go to college here. It was the manual for the school and told you where to get food and stuff like that. Um, This is what Paul's letter is. It's the introduction to Paul letter. Um, And I want to start by reading part of it, actually, because 
that makes sense. But also because I had a really cool experience with this. Paul is writing... Um, oh, uh, this is starting in 15. We're going to be in Romans chapter 7 if you want to follow along in your own Bible. Um, this is 7.15. I do not understand what I do. For what I want to do, I do not do. And, but what I hate, I do. And if I do what I do not want to do, I agree that the law is good. As it is, um, it is no longer I myself who do it, but the sin living in me. I know that nothing good lives in me. That is in my sinful nature. For I have the desire to do what is good, but I cannot carry it out. For what I do is not the good that I want to do. No, the evil I do not, I do not want to do. This I keep on doing. All right, we're going to pause it there um, because Paul's kind of going around in a circle really quick where he's saying, I see what's good and I set out to do it and I fall on my face. And I, I was actually doing chapel with a, a group of kids in, in a rehab program years ago and I read this verse and this, this gal who was um, somewhat disagreeable, I don't know, like that's the nicest way I can say it, I'd probably get fired if I described what I actually thought. She was, she was unpleasant. Um, she stood up in the middle of this service and said, wait a minute, that's in the Bible? <laughs> yeah, I, you know, <laughs> right here. And she said, wait a minute, that can't be in the Bible. I said, well, no, it is. And I, I talked to her later. And it was one of the most pleasant conversations I had with her, which is saying an awful lot. Um, but she, she said, well, wait a minute. Christians are supposed to be perfect. They're not supposed to feel like I feel. That's how I feel. I feel like there's these parts of my life that I try to do right, but I just screw them up. And the more I try, the worse it gets. And, you know, try, 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 try. Christians are supposed to be people who are perfect already. And that's often the perspective regarding the church. And it's often actually the perspective that Christians have regarding Christians, right? Um, and it makes it very difficult for believers sometimes. I've had folks, and I in the 20 years that I've been a Christian and probably the 15-ish that I've done professional ministry, I've had so many folks who've approached me and said, am I still saved because I continue to do this? Or how can God still love me if I did this thing? Or how can... I mean, and, and it, it always is. I know what the standard is. I know God loves me. I know I'm supposed to reach this point. But this is what I'm struggling with. or This is where I'm failing. Um, and Paul, I think, anticipates that because he experiences it. Um, and we're going to start in 14 here. Oh, did I miss 14? Um, <laughs> my wife and I are playing tug-of-war with the slides. Uh, 14. For we know that the law is spiritual, but I am a flesh, sold into bondage to sin. Um, there's like two opposite ends Paul is setting up here. The law, which comes from God, so in a way it's spiritual, right? And actually the law is this ideal. This is the way it ought to be. So when it says, you know, don't commit adultery, it means don't commit adultery, right? Or don't steal, it means don't steal. This is the ideal. Paul, on the other hand, says, there's this part of me that's saved because I believe in Jesus and I'm following Jesus and I'm in Jesus and I'm forgiven and I'm a new creation, but there's this other part of me, right, that's flesh, meaning sinful, meaning this part of me that wants to do the wrong thing. Has anybody here ever quit smoking? This is the best analogy I can come up with. It's awful. Um, I quit smoking about nine years ago. Was it nine? Eight. I know I'm terrible. About eight years ago. Was it eight years ago or nine? Hun? It was nine. Um, and I swear to you, I quit probably three times a day for a while. And, <laughs> and I would be like driving home from work and I would say, I'm going to get gas, but I'm not going to buy cigarettes. And it was like I went into automatic pilot the moment I hit the gas station 
and I'd be driving away lighting up a cigarette right afterwards. And I think, well, what just happened? You know, it's not that I wanted to do it, but there was another part of me that jumped up and said, all right, let's do this. And then that same part of me starts whispering in my ear and says, well, you know what? You bought a whole pack. Shouldn't you finish it? <laughs> It'd be wasteful. That's a sin. Um, <laughs> um, but, but quitting this, like quitting sins that overtake us um, is, is exactly what this is talking about. Um, it, it's talking about that temptation to look at something you maybe ought not look at, right? Um, a woman who ain't your wife, or, or um, to think like angry, revengeful thoughts, and like knowing that you ought not do that because that's you know like like not good for us. It's not good for our relationship with God. But then there's this part of you that really wants to be angry, right? That's the flesh. That's what Paul is talking about here. He's saying the law is good, the law is perfect, the law is ideal. I'm stuck in this. Um, I, a few weeks ago, I talked about walking in the mud. I was fishing with Eric Andrade and, uh, at Jim Durgis Field down on the river, and we were walking the riverbank, and I lost a boot in the mud. I had my knee-high boots on, and I stepped, and I pulled my foot out, and my foot came out, and the boot stayed. And so I'm standing and, you know, <laughs> trying to pull my boot out of the mud, and, and before long, I lost the other boot. Um, sin is this way because of our flesh. The flesh sticks to anything that's rebellion against God. Even after we're saved, even after we're forgiven, even after Jesus makes us into a new creation, the flesh sticks to it because, because we're sinful. Um, and that's actually part of what Paul is saying here. He says, sold into bondage to sin. It drives me nuts that American like English translations soften language sometimes, and they do it because the word slave has a really strong connotation in, in our culture. It's very different than the culture... Like that this was written in, um, but it should be that strong connotation. He is literally saying, "My sin enslaves me." There is a part of me that is in chains and stuck to this. Can anybody relate to that? By the way, like the harder I try, the worse I do. I mean, <laughs> it's like my life story. If I ever write an autobiography, it's going to be the harder I try, the worse I do. Um, <laughs> Paul goes on. This is 15 and 16. For what I am doing, I do not understand. For I am not practicing what I would like to do. I am doing the very thing I hate. But if I do the very thing I do not want to do, I agree the law with the law, confessing that the law is good. So Paul looks and he says, this is what I'm doing, but I know what I want. Right? In my head, I can see the right thing. In my head, I don't yell at my wife. In my head, I never tell lies. In my head, I do these things. And I know that's the ideal, right? I know I'm a terrible person, I told you. Um, This is the ideal. This is what I'm aiming for. And so Paul says, because I know in my head and in my heart what the right thing is, I'm acknowledging that God's law is good and ideal. Everybody with me? Is there anybody who would disagree with that? The the, the Ten Commandments. You would disagree with that, Mike? Get out of here. Um, We would all agree, like, killing people is wrong. You know, hating people, not okay. Um, But we struggle with it. Um, And so Paul says, listen, the law is good. The the, the ideal is is good. I'm the problem. Um, He goes on, he says, so now no longer am I the one doing it, but sin which dwells in me. Now, Paul is doing this thing where he's personifying sin. Sin does not actually just show up and have tea with us, right? Or coffee. This is Montana, we drink coffee. Um, my in-laws may visit, but it's not the same. I'm sorry, honey. Um, <laughs> the sin, sin is not a personality. Sin is, a, is an in, 
inclination or a trait within us, right? Um, it's not a person, but Paul is personifying to make a point. He's saying, I am really sorry, honey. It was sin that made me do that. Um, <laughs> but sin which dwells in me. He's saying, listen, there's this sin, this, this rebellion against God. And by the way, sin, we talked about this last week. I'm referring to this state of turning away from God and being God's enemy, right? It's not just violation of the law because then sin becomes transgression. Sin is being in bad relationship with God, right? My wife and I sometimes will have arguments where neither of us have done anything wrong, right? Especially me. Um, and and that, that animosity that exists, even though neither of us is wrong, um, I have to say nice things about you, uh, <laughs> that animosity that exists between us, even though like neither of us has done anything wrong, neither of us has cause to have animosity, that's what sin is. Like us in relation to God, we are automatically God's enemy. And we're born that way. Um, so he says, listen, this sin that dwells in me is the one that's doing it. For I know that nothing good dwells in me. That is in my flesh. For the willing is present in me, but the doing of the good is not. Has anybody ever felt that way, by the way? Like, is, is anybody, is this ringing true? The, the desire to do good, the want to be right before God, these things are present, but the doing good isn't. Because in my body, in my flesh, I'm going to fail. Um, and I'm going to fail because I'm a slave. Slaves do not get to make choices, right? If I have a slave, let's, you know, like, like you know, one of my children, for example. <laughs> I, and I, I say, you know, all right, go clean your room. Do they get to ask me why? They can try, but I don't have to answer, right? The one, like, constant is you have to go clean your room. Um, slaves don't get to reason, they don't get to argue, and they don't get to make their own decisions, Right? And Paul is saying, I am a slave to this inclination. I am a slave to this desire to do wrong. Um, and that is why he says, you know, the, sl- the, the, the sin, the thing that holds me in slavery, that's what's in charge. Um, I, over the years, I've talked to, like, alcoholics. This is, addiction makes it so easy to explain this because addiction is a form of slavery. It's when sin, like, dominates your life, right? But addicts will say, like, alcoholics will say, the alcohol controls me. I don't make my own decision. It decides where my day ends. It decides what I do when I get up in the morning. Not because they want to do it. A lot of times I've talked to folks who say I would rather die than keep doing this, and they keep doing it, right? Not because they want to, but because they're enslaved to it. Um, Paul is talking about this idea that um, he's a slave to this. For the good I want to do, I do not do, but I practice the very evil that I do not want. Why? Because he's enslaved to sin. Um, So now, no longer am I the one doing it, but sin which dwells in me. So Paul's saying, it's not me, it's the sin in me. Um, Is he saying I'm not responsible? No. Got it? He's saying there's a part of me that's redeemed. There's a part of me that's in Christ. There's a part of me that's looking at Jesus. But there's another part of me that's dragging me down. It's like trying to swim with an anchor tied to your foot or a cinder block. You know, you're trying to swim, and there's a part of you that's saying, don't go underwater, and the other part of you is just dragging you down. Um, For I know that nothing good dwells in me, that is, in my flesh. I just read this verse. Um, For I know that nothing good... Did I double that? Oh, my gosh. Um, Oh, my gosh. But if I am doing the very good I do not want, I am no longer the one doing it, but sin that dwells in me. I doubled that one, too, didn't I? Oh, okay. I'm lost, guys. I, <laughs> yeah, 
told you, whoever visits in July, great job compared to this. I find then the principle that evil is present in me, the one who wants to do good. So Paul backs up and he says, because I can't do what I want, because I cannot live the way I want to live, it's evil that's living in me. Like, I am infected with this. It is a base principle. It is a truth that is undeniable. Um, When folks back up and they say, all Christians are hypocrites. Has anybody ever heard that? Um, Yes. (laughs) If you are standing there saying, I don't sin, I never sin, I'm perfect, then you're wrong. The Bible teaches pretty clearly we're going to struggle with sin. Does that mean we dive in and enjoy it? No. Is Paul writing like a guy who's having fun with his sin? Absolutely not. Does Paul writing like a man who's given up and says, you know what, I can't control it, let's just have at it? No. Paul's writing as a man who struggles with it and agonizes over it. And actually, there's a basic truth here. The closer we come to God, the more we become aware of our imperfection. Does that make sense? Um, The more I sat down, one of the hardest uh, months I ever had, I read the Bible in six weeks, so that would be a month and a half. And I started out, I read the Old Testament, I read the law. I started reading the law and I thought, oh my gosh, I'm awful. (laughs) I can't do that. I don't do that. Oh my gosh, this guy's evil and I do the same stuff he does. And I got further and further and then I got to the prophets where God would speak through his people and he would say like with Hosea where he had Hosea marry a prostitute and he said, you know, like like Hosea's wife continually cheated on him and and, um, would rather have been a slave prostitute than married to Hosea. And God says, this is what it's like when my people like rebel against me and love things that aren't me. It's like, like being married to a woman, loving her more than anything and having her desire to be with everyone else other than me. Um, and I read that and I'm like, oh my gosh, this is what I'm doing to God. When I sin, when I fall on my face, when I rebel against God, this is me. And I felt awful. And the closer we draw to God, the more aware we become of who God is and how like pure and awesome and set apart he is, the darker all of this stuff gets because we realize how deep the mud we're sitting in is. Um, If self-righteousness is your righteousness, there's no, like, truth to it. Um, The plus side of that is that God provides a light. In the cross of Jesus, right? In the cross of Jesus, we see where God took punishment for us. And when we recognize how big our sin is, we recognize how huge his sacrifice was. Uh, earlier in Romans, Paul says, um, and I'm off my text, I'll get back to it, it's a huge rabbit trail. Um, earlier in Romans, Paul says that um, when we were helpless, when we were still mired in our sin, Christ died for us. Sometimes folks might die for a good man, but no one would ever die for a wicked man. But God demonstrates his love for us when we were helpless, when we were stuck in our sin, when we were as wicked as we were going to get, Jesus died for us. When I hated God with every breath I had, Jesus died for me. And he died for you when you were cold-hearted. And he died for, for all of us. Like, it's amazing. Um, Paul expresses, uh, or we'll go on. Uh, for I joyfully concur with the law of God in the inner man, but I see a different law in my members, uh, in the members of my body, waging war against the law of my mind, making me a prisoner of the law of sin, which is in my members. Meaning, there's a part, a law that like acts inside of him. And that law is, whatever you want, I'm going to do the opposite. Right? It's like having a three-year-old in your, in, you know, behind the wheel. <laughs> whatever you want, I'm going to do the opposite. Um, Paul says, I want to obey God's law. I want to know God. 
but sin is in me. Um, one of my favorite lines in the Bible, I swear I pray this three times a week. Wretched man that I am, who will set me free from this body of death? Um, the word wretched means I am miserable beyond words. I'm, I'm tormented. I'm stuck. Paul says, wretched man that I am. I'm so stuck in my sin. Mind you, this is the Apostle Paul, right? This is the guy who wrote most of the New Testament. This is a guy who's much better than me. Everybody with me? <laughs> um, wretched man that I am, who will set me free from this body of death? Um, there's an interesting phrase here, and some commentaries pass over it. Um, body of death is a, is a legal phrase in the Roman world, right? If I committed murder, right? Like, let's say I, I don't know, well, I killed somebody. Um, or if I was an enemy of the state, one of the ways they would punish folks who did that is they would take a dead body, like usually the person you killed, right? And they would chain it to you face to face. And then they would let you go. The law goes on and says it is illegal for anyone to aid this guy. So you're walking around and you've got this dead body attached to you, right? And nobody can help you. You're just stuck with it. I'm not making it up. It's gross. I'm sorry. It's kind of a graphic thing. But like, um, over time, what would happen is that body would smell bad, right? For me, it would take a little while before it would smell worse than me, but I would notice it eventually. And as that body began to rot, like I would go with it. Um, eventually, I would begin to come apart and decompose, and I would die because I was tied to this dead body. Paul is comparing his own sinful self to something that's dead that he can't get rid of. And he's carrying it around, and he says, I'm miserable because I'm tied to this garbage, and I can't get away from it. Uh, and he says, who's going to save me from this? Thanks be to God through Jesus Christ our Lord. So then, all right, we're going to pause there actually. Thanks be to God through Jesus Christ our Lord. Meaning, how do I get away from it? Well, Jesus gets me away from it. Jesus saves me. Not that I don't carry the effects of sin through my life. Not that I'm not continually like struggling with sin. Because you're going to struggle with sin, right? Even after you're saved. Um, but, ultimately when I reach heaven, it'll be gone. Right? Perfection comes with, with resurrection. Like when we uh, like achieve resurrection, when God Jesus comes back and we're all um, remade and all that, like, like this will be gone. The sinful part of us will be gone. And until then, we spend our lives stripping it away and trying to get away from it and repenting um, and being forgiven um, and being very thankful that God is so forgiving and gracious. Um, so then, on the one hand, I myself with my mind am serving the law of God, but on the other with my flesh, the law of sin. So there's a part of me that's constantly pointing at Jesus, right? That's constantly pointing at God's grace. That's constantly steering into forgiveness. And there's a part of me that continues to struggle. And there's always going to be that battle for every believer. Again, Apostle Paul, right? This is, you know, the guy who wrote most of the New Testament struggled with this. All of us will struggle with it. Does that mean that God throws us away? No. Um, there's a, a doctrinal difference there. I'm going to be really careful in how I describe this. Um, like the, the Catholic Church um, believes that grace is given out by the receiving of the sacraments. Everybody with me? It's like you take for communion and you're forgiven. You're baptized and you're forgiven. You confess, you're forgiven. Um, what we believe and what we, what we read the Scriptures to teach is, I receive grace because I'm in Christ and I'm continually forgiven. If I sin, that sin has been forgiven from the moment that I began to follow Jesus. 
right? It's not like, oh, I forgot to repent of that sin and now I'm dead and I've got to go to hell because I had that one sin I didn't say sorry for. We're forgiven for things we don't even know we did wrong. Um, God's graciousness and His love is so deep and so broad and so all-encompassing. It covers everything. Um, and so in our minds, we pursue Him, and in our flesh, we're stuck. 8, 1 to 2. I'm going to go through these last two sections real quick. Uh, Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus has set you free from the law of sin and death. Meaning, no condemnation, right? You stand before God still struggling with sin on the day you die. There is no judgment. There is no condemnation. God does not say, get away, you're going to hell because you're a bad person. We're forgiven. Um struggling with sin and all, imperfect and all, um, no condemnation, because we live under the law of grace, the law of the spirit of life, um, meaning those who are in Christ are forgiven. Um, three and four. For what the law could not do, weak as it is through the flesh, God did, sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh and as an offering for sin. He condemned sin in the flesh so that the requirements of the law might be fulfilled in us who do not walk according to the flesh but according to the Spirit. What this means is, and I said this a little while ago, Jesus, God's Son, came, became our sin, was like tortured, killed. God poured his wrath out on him and we're forgiven because God's wrath is propitiated, like, like um, spent out against Jesus. And we receive forgiveness if we walk in the Spirit. That means I'm under Christ's lordship. I love him. I follow him. I try to live for him. Um, what does all this mean? Right? What it means is, even if you struggle, God loves you. Even if you... Um, get overtaken with sin regularly, even though you say things that you wish you wouldn't say, even though you do things you wish you wouldn't do, even though you hurt people like which you don't intend to hurt, even though you carry around anger that you can't seem to let go of, God continues to forgive you because Jesus died in our place. Um, we'll struggle until the day we die. If you've stopped struggling, you need to look harder into the mirror. Um, because it's there. This is what Paul's talking about. Um, do we have the last song? Okay. We're going to close in prayer and um, like five minutes early. Um, and uh, we'll finish with a blessing. Heavenly Father, I pray that you would be with us. I pray that you would make us aware of the amazing grace and amazing peace and amazing forgiveness and the amazing just, just love you have for us in Christ Jesus. I pray that you would help us to recognize that forgiveness and just embrace it every day. Um, give us the strength and give us the will to fight against our own flesh and our own fallenness. But Lord, help us to be assured that in Christ we're forgiven. Amen. Um, we're going to close with a blessing. So if you all want to rise and receive the blessing. May you go on out of here into the world this week um, and for the rest of your life, and recognize you're forgiven. May you recognize that Jesus carried the weight of your sin, and that even as you struggle with it, even as it weighs you down, even as it drags you, even as it feels like there's a part of you that's dying, um, God has brought you new life in Christ. Amen.